Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 12 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, brought to you by CST Tires and hosted by me, Cody Jansen. We're back, recording our second show in as many days here. I really wanted to get a pre-banquet show out, so that's what we're going to grace you with here tonight. We have a big-time guest, a big-time player in the industry joining us tonight. I've been really looking forward to having um, this guy on, so I'm really looking forward to that. But before we go too far... Let me just uh, thank our sponsors of the show here. First and foremost, thanks to our title sponsor, CST Tires, csttires.com. The Pulse MXR tire is the best tire on the market no matter what the terrain. Join the CST takeover today or be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Thank you, SSI Decals. SSI Decals was a key contributor to Team USA's winning efforts and by far the winningest decal brand in ATV motocross and best looking. Their track record speaks for itself. If you don't use SSI decals, you will not win. Thanks to those guys. Check them out today at SSIDecals.com. Thank you to DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. Team USA, Joel Hetrick, and myself all trusted DID's unrivaled chain quality and rivet clip all the way to championship victory this past season. Wherever you go, go with DID. Thank you, Namira Technologies. Namira, pistons with an attitude. Namira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side markets since 2001 with their wide array of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits. Visit your local dealer or online at Namira, that's N-A-M-U-R-A dot com, Namira dot com. Also, a big thanks to Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been the industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. Whether it's electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, suspension parts or bearing kits, Bronco is your hard parts source when it comes to whatever you need for whatever you ride. BroncoATV.com Thanks to 4Works Carbon for their continued support. 4Works will be having a big Black Friday sale starting at 7 p.m. Wednesday through Friday at midnight. So that's starting already tomorrow as we're recording here. So now is the time to get your carbon parts, hoods, seat covers, and more for 2020. Head over to their social media pages or website now. Thanks to 4Works Carbon. Thanks as always to Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the racetrack. When conditions are at their worst, Evans is at its best. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save at checkout, evanscoolant.com. Thanks to DP Brakes, the unquestioned leader in motorsports and power sports braking. Thanks to DP for allowing Joel Hetrick, myself, and so many others to outbreak the competition every time we're on the racetrack, dp-brakes.com. Thanks to Blender's Eyewear, whose life and forward motion brand is the perfect fit to partner with our podcast. You won't find better shades for a more attractive price anywhere else. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save on the trendiest shades on the market, BlendersEyewear.com. Thanks to Oats Overnight. Life is hard. Make breakfast easy. Simply combine with milk before bed and enjoy your to-go breakfast in the morning. 
overnight oatmeal loaded with superfoods, perfect for athletes. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEPS10 to save at checkout, oatsovernight.com. Thanks to Mountaineer Brand, and if you know me, you know I love my beard. That's why I treat it right with Mountaineer Brand's all-natural washes, oils, balms, and more. Use discount code CODYSFAVE in all caps, that's C-O-D-Y-S-F-A-V in all caps, CODYSFAVE at MountaineerBrand.com. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, thanks to these two motorsports giants who have agreed to come aboard the podcast family. Yamaha and Valvoline. You should expect to hear their full sponsor reads and ads starting in the next episode. So thank you again to Yamaha and Valvoline. Really excited about that. From our new partners to our original sponsors, thanks for your support of this podcast and making this dream a reality for both us and our listeners. We pride ourselves in partnering with only the best brands in the industry, better your riding experience and your lifestyle by supporting the sponsors who support us. If you love the show, the best thing you can do is support our partners. And if you're interested in becoming a partner of the show, shoot me an email or a message today for more details. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors. Okay, so the Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant Sight Lap segment, and as I mentioned, this guy is a longtime staple of our industry. He's been an accomplished mechanic for a few legendary riders, and he's currently the sales rep, shop manager, technician at the industry power that is Impact Solutions. And he's just an all-around great guy. Of course, I'm talking about Casey Greek. Brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain, we welcome to the show Mr. Casey Greek. Great to have you, Casey. Hey, thanks, Cody. Been a long time coming. We've been talking about this for quite a while, and to finally get on the Digging Deep podcast here, I'm uh, super excited, and I think we've let it, you know, you've done a great job with what it's really done and developing a podcast that is tuned to the listeners. Yeah, I appreciate that. We've been we've been working real hard to um, kind of bring some different content to the ATV world here. And yeah, we've been planning this one for a while. We were talking about it already at the races and um, I wanted to get you on before the banquet here for a couple of reasons. But uh, before we talk about anything else, let's talk about, you know, what you have going on there at home and how the off season is at impact solutions. Man, this year has been awesome. Uh, The entire year was really good. Uh, A lot of good racers in ATV motocross and GNCC the TT world. I mean, it's just things that I, I vision happening have happened in a shorter period of time than I sort of visioned it happening, which is it to me, I just feel like it's just the effort. It's not that, you know, I'm going to sit here and say, Oh, we're the greatest people ever. And it, this and that it's just, we're, we're there and we're there for the right reasons. We're there for the people. And I think it's paying off this off season. We've been covered up last last year. We weren't quite as busy as we are now. And we're not even to what I really call the rush busy season of the time of year yet. Okay. Yeah. You know how racers work. Obviously we both do that. Uh, things become last minute, so it's still pretty early. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you guys have kind of, really taken over the market um, as far as, you know, suspension tuning goes and stuff like that. And the the thing with you coming on at Impact Solutions has been, there's been much more of like a, like a face to the brand, I think, at some of the races we go to. And it, I think um, 
you've just made the brand really approachable. I don't know if you see it that way, but from the outside and, and working with you firsthand, um, man, you've really proven to be a great asset for impact solutions. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. I mean, Jay Goebel's taught me everything I know suspension wise. I mean, years and years that I've been around it and obviously I've learned a bunch in that time, but when it comes to actually building setups blindly for people, if I didn't have Jay behind me, I, I would have been a train wreck. So, and when it first started, it was um, really frustrating in one sense because I feel like I've always been on a higher level of being educated and knowing exactly what I was doing and had a game plan from day one always. And when I walked into this, it was kind of a little bit blinder in a sense of actually making shocks work internally. I could change clickers. I could set your ride height. I could set your bike up. We did all that stuff. And so Jay just kind of mentored me. And I don't want to say he gave it to me easy at all, because there's a lot of times when he's like, you know this, you figure it out or so and so forth. So, but without him, like I am saying, it's, uh, it's been a good learning process and just being, being a face and getting out and being in the pits at every race that I can actually get to. It doesn't always work out. It's hard to be away from the shop. We're not a huge company. So that's kind of where I give the credit to with what has kind of gone on with impact solutions over the last couple of years. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I remember you telling me how Jay really taught you everything you knew. And the thing that you bring to the table too, is you just have so many connections and everybody knows you at the racetrack. So it's been the the perfect marriage, um, you know, for you and impact solutions. And I think you were, you know, really able to take them kind of to a, another level. You're a big part of that. So what is, so we're in the end of November here. Um, so take us, take me through like, what your day to day is like right now. Cause I know you're a Jack of all trades. So tell me what a typical day is like at impact solutions for you. Cause I know uh, you're a guy playing many roles over there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. I, this time of year, I spend a lot of time on the phone all year. I spend a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time at my desk, placing new shock orders and parts orders and preparing for the busier time. But at the same time, I'm balancing that between being at the workbench um, I have a guy that works with us that, you know, he'll take apart all the shops, clean them and do that kind of stuff for me. So it limits, it, it eliminates a lot of the, the dirtier work for me. So I can spend more time on the phone and, and being in communication with the customer. So Dustin helps out big time in that aspect. And then there's, you know, the truck stuff. A lot of people may or may not know that we also operate the Maxis truck and the CST truck. And there's an automotive truck. So I sort of manage that stuff and the logistics and trying to get tire orders in and, you know, prepping for next year. Is there going to be a new wrap or, you know, what's going to happen with that truck? What needs to be repaired? Um, and just trying to touch out, reach out to the customers and, and be interactive on social media. I mean, there's a solid almost hour a day that you have to interact on social media with messages and, so and so forth. So it's every bit of a full-time job all the time. Yeah. I knew, like I said, I knew you were filling a bunch of different roles, doing a bunch of different stuff. So uh, I kind of just wanted to touch on that for a second. And 
Um, you know, you have such a wide array of skills. You filled so many different roles within the industry. So I'm curious, take my listeners back to the beginning. Like where, where, at what point were you introduced to, um, the motorsports industry? Oh boy. Um, five, six years old. Dad brought me home kicks, 80, like 1986 model or something. And, uh, fell in love with it and anytime I had a chance to ride you know we rode in the backfield and it, it was just real real low-key like that racing wasn't really in in my future or in my prospects we didn't have the means to do that and so as I got older I ended up moving into Lake Elsinore and uh, Lake Elsinore motocross track was across the street from my house so I just walked down there one day and said hey I want a job and I started driving water truck and things like that at like 13 years old. Kind of rolled into some more things and got my first mechanic job at like 17 and just started plugging away. And, you know, my goal was factory race team, obviously. That was, you know, the objective. And uh, did the dirt bike thing for a few years. And in 2007, Corey Ellis was a good friend of mine. And Richie Owens which was a quad guy plus a dirt bike guy is more of his fame actually probably come from dirt bikes, but he was really, really good on a quad. Okay. Corey, Corey had worked for Richie's dad for years. So I knew Corey and Corey was always a bad dude on a quad and he'd come out there and ride with those guys. And we got to talking and he had just got his job as team manager at Suzuki. And he said, Hey, we need a mechanic, another mechanic. I said, well, who's it for? He said, I don't know which guy it's going to be for. You're going to try out with all three. Okay. Said, okay. And those th- those three riders at the time were uh, Chad Weenan, Doug Gus, and Dustin Wimmer. Okay. Yep. So we were doing the local series out there, which used to be like the IPP Quad Cross, and yep. so those guys come out, and we brought one in at a time, and each of us would meet mechanic for one of them, and however it went down, and um, me and Doug just hit it off, man. We, me and Dustin were good. Me and Chad were good, and it was just a relationship between me and Doug. I think right away we just kind of understood each other. And so we went to work and uh, it was exciting and nerve wracking at the same time, walked into my first factory team, never worked on a quad really a day in my life. I mean, I had worked on them in the shop or in the garage, but not a race quad, not at that level. And Doug trusted me and I trusted the feedback that he gave me. And, you know, Kevin Muma was involved and Kevin's a wealth of knowledge and, Ryan Cox also, you know, Ryan never, never give it to you easy. It was always the hard way to go, but it was always because he had a, like a plan at the end. And, um, so we just kept working, did it. Uh, Doug won a couple of races that year. And at the end of the year, it was kind of, they're going to go to a two rider team. And quite a few of us ended up leaving that year. They, they laid a couple of us off just because they didn't have room. And so then a couple other guys weren't very happy about it. So they walked away also. Um, Brian Cox landed a job at Kawasaki with Chad Weenan. And um, me and Theo Lasardi went into Can-Am. We sat down the day, like everything went down. And he said, let's go. And walking in there, relatively unknown, not really knowing what to expect. Johnny Leach over there, he's uh, now the owner of DWT. Yep. And back then it was MotorWorks Can-Am. He just said, this is what we're going to do. And we want to win a championship in works, which they had already done. 
we want to win a championship in ATV motocross, which no one had even come close to even being fairly top five at that point. Yeah. Yep. Right. So it, it was a steep, steep hand. I went to work for Brandon, Brandon, uh, wow. I just drew a blank on that one. <laughs> Dang, he's going to be mad. Uh, well, anyways, um, he had some decent results, top, top tens here and there. Jeremy Lawson was on the team. Jeremy had a pretty good year, but the most important thing is we figured out how to make the bike finish races. Okay. And worked out all the bugs. And that was really the, the, the deal that we needed to do to accomplish that season was just making the bike finish. So then what year, what year was that Casey? Oh, nine. That was 2009. Okay. And then 2010, we signed Chad Weenan and, um, John Natale that guy. Yeah. And we brought, John was already on a Can-Am, so that was an easy, it was just a transition. He'd already had some experience on the bike, so he helped us with some of the knowledge that he knew. Chad had just come up with Cowie with um, a really up and down season and really was nervous and didn't trust the bike, but he trusted us. We brought Ryan Cox in that year. Chad come down to Florida. We had a test facility and a big shop down in Florida. Chad flew in. I went and picked him up at the airport, come back to the shop, threw him on the bike, and it was a pretty nasty sand track. And he literally did everything he could do to break the bike. All okay. he wanted to do, I almost feel like he wanted an excuse to say no. <laughs> and, he, and he couldn't break the bike, and he actually liked it. He seen that there was, um, you know, a lot, a lot of room for improvement and that we were willing to do whatever we could. So okay. he, he signed the deal, come out in 2010 multiple podiums between him and John. John got the first race win for KM ever. Mm-hmm. Um which is huge. I don't think I'll ever forget that memory. And then uh fast forward two thousand eleven, John Natale, Jed Winnin, same team. Lots of I don't wanna say like friction, but it wasn't always pretty. What uh, what was the year? Was it ten or eleven when they got together at Walnut? I wanna say that was ten. I think it was 10. So yeah, I was going to ask you um, what it was like to have, cause it, that was like a pretty good rivalry. I feel oh, like sure. from the outside. So I yeah. wanted to know what that was like to have all of that under one tent. Well, see the, the weekend before that John had won the first moto at balance. Okay. Which, you know, was really awesome. And I, I really wish we, we still went to balance cause I think the racetrack was. Phenomenal. Oh my gosh. It really and, was. Yeah. The first race that I ever won with Doug was at Balance in a way okay. in a mutter. So okay. I got a lot of love for that place. We yeah. won the night race with a tally. You know what I mean? I, I love it. But um, John won the first moto, and then the second moto, he got a bad start, and he was coming through. And Chad was in, like, third, and John was in fourth. And John just punted him. I mean, no, <laughs> no excuses, no bullshit. Like. <laughs> John, John felt Chad should have moved out of his way because John had won the first moto and had a chance of the overall. Obviously, Chad didn't agree with that. No. <laughs> and so he wasn't going to move. And they were they were virtually, I mean, on that track, they were full so fast. And the bikes were working really well that weekend. And uh, John punted Chad. So fast forward later that moto, John ends up losing a transmission. So John's on the side of the track. He's bummed. We get the get it back. As soon as John walks into the tent, Chad says something, John says something, 
I grabbed John by the back of the neck, throw him in the truck. And he's like, just let me, you know, just let me go out there and, you know, argue like my own battle. No, nothing physical. It wasn't like that. Right. It, yeah. no, but he didn't want to be the one not to say the last thing, which none of us do. No, it, you're exactly right. Tally. I mean, the dude, he, he wants to be the last word no matter what. <laughs> right. So, and so does Chad. I mean, I've, I've seen Chad so fired up. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's the passion that these guys hold for the sport. So that's what happened. Before that, the friction wasn't super bad. Okay. Fast forward, we go into Walnut. Chad does pretty good the first moto, second moto. Situation is now changed. Now, John's in third. Chad's in fourth. Chad feels like John's in his way. John, Chad cleans Chad out. Or yeah. Chad cleans John out. Yeah, I can see the vision. I can see the vision of those two quads flipping off the side of the racetrack right there. Like, I'll never forget it. And then, I mean, as bad as the friction was there is me and Ryan Cox were, like, best friends. Oh, okay. he's Chad's mechanic. Yeah. And so we're, like, at each other's throats in the mechanics area because he's blaming it on John. And I'm like, Ryan, I watched the whole thing. Chad was on the inside. (laughs) And it, it banged John up pretty good. It ended up taking Chad out of the race. No, I'm, I make that comment. That was in the first moto at Walmart. It wasn't the second moto. Okay. So they go they go flipping, end over end. Breaks Chad's bike. Punctures the radiator. He's done. John gets back on and rides on like fifth or something. Nothing nothing to write home about right. at, the, at that point. But from his crash, but he was banged up bad. Okay. He comes up the second moto, and I, and I there's a clip on some little reality show thing that did on us back then, and it's me like screaming at John, telling him, you know, you're only better or you're only good when you're hurt. Pain is nothing. The blah blah, blah yeah. is going off, and then I look straight at the camera. I'm like, you know, it's probably a blessing he rides better when he's hurt. I remember this clip out. vividly. Yeah, <laughs> and he gets like second in that race, and I mean, he rode a, an amazing race. I don't even know how he did it because. He was every bit of a couple broken ribs. I mean, he was bad, in bad shape. He probably – in today, some kids wouldn't get on the club. Right. Oh, bad. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> and then after that, I think um, the friction that you're kind of mellowed out. Okay. Those guys, we started doing some tests together. They actually talked on the phone a little bit. <laughs> Not okay. much, but a little bit about developing and trying to get a bike better. And about midway through that season, it become Chad and John's show, in a sense. I mean, obviously, Kramer was the show. And yeah. Dustin Wimmer was um, was riding phenomenal. And I think Kramer got to Dustin's head a little bit. And it yeah. opened the door for John and Chad. Millville, they ended up on the podium. Or Chad did. And um, we ended up getting our first win in uh, Pleasure Valley with John yep. Natale. And you just posted a clip of that day the other day, and just like the chills that come back from that day. And I'll, I'll never forget back then we raced. Um, we practiced Saturday. We raced on Sunday. And John showed up Saturday morning, and it was just like there was something different. It was okay. close to home. You know, his whole family was there, everything. And I just I knew it at that moment. And uh, Casey Martin won Pro-Am earlier okay. that day on a Polaris. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I Jay remember Porter, this. Yeah, and Dave was 
Dave Porter was Casey's mechanic. Yep. And me and Dave have been really good friends for many years. And John goes out and wins on Sunday. And Casey had pretty much just come off the podium. And Dave okay. was up there, and he was freaking out because they just won a pro-am race on the Polaris. We just won a pro race on the Can-Am. And, you know, it was just unbelievable experiences that we got from that. And the rest of the year was, you know, kind of status quo, seconds and okay. thirds. Um, I think Chad ended up winning one race that year, which was um, super good for the team and everyone. So we knew we belonged. Both guys had won. We've been on podium. Then 2012 come around, and uh, those guys were on it. It was them. They were, there was no one that was going to come close to them. And yeah. um, Joel wasn't matured enough yet. He was going through some struggles of his own, um, bike-wise, I think, and just a couple things. And he was young. I mean, heck, he looked like he was eight. Right. And he yeah. was fast, you know. Chase Snap was good. Uh, LP obviously was really good. And we went through the year. And uh, sharing, sharing race wins, you know, Thomas Brown would sneak in there and, and get in between those guys every now and then. And Thomas was, you know, the same thing. He was maturing, too. He um, wasn't nearly – I mean, he wasn't bad rider at all. Not trying to say that, but he wasn't what he is today. Oh and, no! I uh, mean, it was that was that was seven years ago. So. Yeah. So he he's come, or you know, so those guys went through. Uh, John Michelle called me at like one in the morning on like a Saturday night, and I'm like, why would Michelle call me at one in the morning? And I didn't, my phone was in my room, okay. so when me and the wife got in the bed to go to bed. I looked and it said Michelle Natale. So I immediately call her and she's like, John broke his arm. I'll call you back. I'm like, what? I'm like, it's like one in the morning. Yeah. And I, I talked to him after he got done riding that day. Well, okay. long story short, lightning storm caught their bone on fire. Horse kicked and broke his arm Saturday. Oh, okay. Tuesday, Chad crashes, breaks his back. Oh, so this is, so 11? Now, this is 2011. This is 2011. This okay. is, you know, these guys yep. are battling for a championship. They're one, two. Gotcha. And, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now first and second, both are guys. So I wasn't saying nothing. And I didn't find out that Chad broke his back until like two or three days later. Okay. And I worked for the same team. They had called Ryan and Ryan wouldn't say nothing. We were loading the trailer and Ryan's, Ryan's attitude was just, like you could tell he was down. And I'm like, what's your deal? Okay. He's like, Chad broke his back. I'm like, oh. That's terrible because John just broke his arm, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> like both of them are just, we're, <laughs> you know, we're we're freaking out. Yeah. And you know, two days later, John gets a plate put in his arm. We show up at uh, Sunday Creek or Millfield, Ohio. Okay. And he goes out, and I mean, he was running third, ended up having an engine issue, it knocked him back to like six, but he still finished, and then ended up like sixth next moto, and that's really what saved the championship for him. Um, up here, of course, rode phenomenal that day, and I think he ended up winning overall or second yep. overall. <laughs> so that that's what tightened it up pretty tight, and him and Uppy battled it out the rest of the year. John with a broken arm with a plate in it, but he showed why he's got his name, and you know, ultimately prevailed. And you know, someone asked earlier on their Facebook post, you know, how good was the Can Am? Honest to God. <laughs> Once we got it figured out, it's probably one of the better handling bikes I've ever been around. 
and I I've think it can handle handle good with anyone, but you had to have all the components in place. Cause uh, I had, a, I had that question kind of written down too, was, I mean, how hard was it to get that bike from when you first got to Can-Am to, you know, a year or two later, and then when you're three years later, when you're really hitting your stride, when that thing was really capable of winning every race, it sure seemed like it took a lot of work on your end, you know, to kind of make that thing progress to where it could win. Yeah, and it was a it was a team effort. I mean, Ryan Cox was doing the engines, and you know we had a power plant at that time. I mean, it, it worked and it ran good for what we had and the capabilities that that motor could produce. Uh, me and Theo, you know, grinding, trying to figure out suspension components and frame, you know, stuff. And even Ryan jumped in and we started testing different frame brackets, just trying to strengthen the frame and make different changes to the bike and have as much flex to it. And that's really where it come in. A couple front end changes. And, you know, back then we had Rick Strickland tuning suspension for us. Okay. And the dude is a genius. And okay. so that, that made life easy for us. And we went through the motions and just kept developing and kept testing. And we had good riders and we had two different size riders, which makes it tougher. But they were, they were connecting on equally – on equal terms their bikes really weren't a whole lot different besides you know steering stem and you know offset of where your steering stem comes up at and that was that was it but it was a good bike you know it had its quirks but handling wise was phenomenal okay and, and go ahead oh um i mean even after john went to a honda on his own deal in 2013 he he's like i want my can in back He's like, it handles better, you know. Really? You guys just had that thing figured out after those those handful of years. A lot of time, a lot of effort put into that bike, and yeah. you know, it it taught me everything. I didn't I didn't have to learn anything at Suzuki. I had to put a bike together. Right at Can Am, yeah. we had to build bikes, and we had to you know we had to develop a race program. The Suzuki program was already developed with some of the best guys in the industry. I'm sure that that's why reminiscing and thinking back to that first win for Can-Am that you guys got in 2010, that's why that's so special because, I mean, you had to build the program from the bottom up, you know, all you guys together collectively, but you still had to piece together a program that hadn't done that before. Yeah, for sure. Suzuki had already won championships, so it was just a matter of, you know, keeping the pieces together. You know, we put a team together with some of the best guys in the industry and the best riders and developed a bike that was good, but it, it you know, every bike needs developing. And it wasn't one person in particular, it was a team effort. And that's probably the coolest memories, you know, and then even in 2012, we signed Joel Hetrick, you know, so 11, it pretty much came down to whoever won the championship that year was who was going to get the contract for the next year. Canyon okay. wasn't going to spend the same amount of money to have two top-tier guys like that. They wanted okay. one, and they wanted someone with, with potential at a cheaper price. Okay. And so, obviously, Joel falls right into there. Joel has all the potential in the world. Obviously, he's a two-time champion and will go down as one of the greatest ever. Yeah. And he had one of the best amateur careers out of anyone also. I sure did. And so he comes in 
big change for him from being on mom and dad's program forever. A lot of growing yep. pains, but it was really good for him. And he was really good for the team. We brought Darren Thomas in that year. Ryan Cox had left, went to go with Chad at Yamaha. And they were they were on a mission to do everything they could to beat us. And Darren and I took off in a trailer, pickup truck in a trailer, on February 15th. Okay. In 2012. And we basically lived from hotel to hotel and built race bikes for a GNCC program, side-by-side GNCC program and ATV motocross for two guys all out of a trailer on the road until about midway through the season, we started going to JV racing and Jody brought us in like we were family, gave us a corner of a shop and that mellowed it out. But I mean, I, we, that year me and Darren are standing out in the rain building John and Joel's bikes at Georgia, literally in a grass field building bikes for a factory race team oh my god and like at the moment it was like this is the most miserable thing i've ever done in my life and now i'm like that was the coolest thing i've ever done in my life because i think we went on to that weekend and um john got second overall joel had a little spill (laughs) with chad and ended up in the ditch Uh and um he flew a couple birds around that weekend and (laughs) it, it it was a little a little of a rough, rough start to the year for Joel, but things smoothed out. We had an awesome year, and the experiences that me and Darren gained on the road. I literally left my house, like I said, February fifteenth, and I hopped on a plane uh, August fifteenth to go home. Oh my gosh! I had to ask my wife for the address so I could GPS how to get to my house because I hadn't been to our new house. Oh my! Gosh. That's how long we were gone for. So it's it cool. Unreal. Yeah, well, it's, I'm, it's one of those things that you'll always think back on fondly, I'm sure. But uh, living like a gypsy gets old after a little while, too. Yeah, you know, and then I got to the point where it was time to slow slow it down a little bit. Bill Baird, Lane Baird's dad, our grandfather, calls me. I got to know him over the years, and, you know, he offered me a job to go work for him. I had a home still at Can-Am but I didn't know how much longer it was going to be around and I wasn't super interested in side-by-sides at the time. And so I took, I took it, moved my wife and I to Kentucky, went to work for Lane for a few years and um, Lane, they decided they were going to step away from ATV racing for a little bit. And that's what led me into a conversation with Jay Goble and got me in with Jay. And that's when I started driving the Maxxis truck, did that for a few years had my first child um, when I was working for Lane and uh, really needed to slow down again. I needed to not travel as much. I needed to be home for my wife and my kid. I just, I went to talk to Jay and said, Hey, let me take over impact. You know, suspension's always been a big interest of mine. It's a, it's a passion. So let me take it over. Let's do that. And he said, okay, sure. Let's go. And that's where we are now. And now, Please stand up and make some noise for our title sponsor, CST Tires. CST Tires and their Pulse MXR Tire have completely overtaken the ATV market. Used by Thomas Brown to clinch a third straight Quadcross of Nations title, by Nick Janusa as he dominated the Montreal Supercross, and myself, Cody Jansen, as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to a 2019 national championship in the Junior 25 Plus class. 
The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics than the competition. Join the takeover or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Check them out at csttires.com today. Anybody that I've gotten to try them, I've heard nothing but positive things back. SSI decals is a name that is synonymous with ATV racing and synonymous with success. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. After making number plates and decals for riders like Chad Whedon, the company quickly took off. Today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker now supports all the top teams at ATV motocross, as well as GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics, SSI decals. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 chain. This patented X-ring chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer chain life, making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick up an ATV2 chain today at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Wherever you go, go with DID. We're pumped to bring on new partner, Namira Technologies. Since 2001, Namira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Namira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Namira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.namira.com. Namira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are also pleased to announce our partnership with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits, Bronco is your hard parts source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world, visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. We are also supported in part by Evans Waterless Power Sports Cooling. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans prevents overheating and boil over so you never have to worry about harming your engine or having a premature end to your ride due to overheating no matter what the condition. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles and more, use what the pros use. Upgrade to Evans today. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes. DP has been dominating the ATV world for a while now by supporting riders like Joel Hattrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Tanusa, Baldwin Motorsports, JB Racing, Root River, myself, and more in ATV motocross. In GNCC Racing, they have all of the top 15 XC1 pros using DP, including the likes of Walker Fowler, Jared McClure, Chris Borich, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, and more, not to mention Hunter Hart and the top four XC2 riders. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them consistently on the top of the podium. Available at 
dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or even message me for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. Forward's Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber and plastic hoods, tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, Forward's has goodies that'll make you salivate. I trust Forward's for increased function and a sexier look. Forward's Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality, innovative parts to the market. Check them out today. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize for years I was assembling all of Chad's race bikes at Can Am. All oh, of really? his test, you know, all of his test bikes, all of his race bikes, I assembled them. And it, the, except the year that Theo worked for him, Theo worked for him and at Can Am and at Suzuki. And then after Theo had left Can Am, I was assembling Chad's bikes and racing for a championship with him, against him, with John. And yeah, okay. Ryan, Ryan Cox was building John's engines and Chad's engines. So there, gotcha. there was just so much trust that had to be given around the team. Um, so I've been super close. I've done a lot of testing with Chad. You know, Ryan would be developing engines, and someone had to go test with Chad. Okay. Chad, Ryan was doing both. He was being Chad's mechanic and being his engine builder. And so he couldn't always go to the track or do that. So me and Chad would go and we would do those things. And so that my relationship with Chad is really close. Um, we don't talk on a daily basis, but, but when we do, it's like old friends, you know, we've been around each other since, you know, kind of his rise to fame, you know, getting a factory contract with Suzuki and going through, I was there. Right. Yeah. So it, yeah. It was cool. Yeah, you've been there every step of the way, kind of at least in a roundabout way or seen his success because that's what I was going to ask was, you know, in 2012, you're still with John and, and him and Chad were racing hard and then Chad's on a Yamaha. Um, so I didn't know with when you, with your affiliation with, you know, Impact Solutions slash Maxis, I didn't know if it kind of came full circle. But um, being that you were working on Chad's stuff, you know, and working with Chad throughout there, uh, there was no defined lines so yeah that kind of gets us to where we are now like um you know now you're you're doing the impact solutions thing and slaying that so let's talk some current racing because um you know to this day and as you just told us you're connected um as much as anybody in the industry and with the banquet coming up this weekend you know i kind of wanted to do a little review so Talking about the pro class this year, you know, Joel wins six events. He won the title by three points um, and ended up being a really close fight or whatever. But, um, you know, I think we both know what to expect from Joel and Chad going forward. I don't think that there's going to be much change there. I think uh, you can still expect that, you know, to be pretty close. But um, one thing I did want to get your opinion on is because you're a former factory mechanic, how crazy is Chad's seven plus season podium streak? It's unbelievable. It is. And it's, it's stupid. It, it's the craziest thing I, <laughs> I could ever imagine. Um, 2012, John didn't have a single issue in okay. any which way. And okay. honestly, back then I felt like that was an accomplishment. Um, it is. It is. It's it's more common now. I, I think guys aren't having as many issues. Technology's evolved. 
people are, you know, figuring ways out and, and there's a lot of things going on, but that was, see, I didn't have a single issue that entire year either and didn't have a single issue in 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 until yeah. 2019. He finally had an issue. And I don't say that in a positive way because if he could have kept that going forever, what a legacy on its own. Yeah. Um, one thing I would comment about Chad's streak and the dominance and perseverance that he's he's gone through um, and growing from initially being a guy that could just look at a bike and break it to yep. finessing his style into almost like a Dustin Wimmer. Dustin was yeah. like poetry. Yeah. It, you just watched him, he just flowed. And Chad's Chad picked that up. He's learned that. And that's what's gotten, I think, saved him so many issues over the years. And when his chain broke, I think we can all say that now. Yeah. I think it's public knowledge. It is. Um, at Redbud, I was standing in a tower and I was announcing. And the year before, when Joel's chain broke, I was standing in the tower and I was announcing. At, at, at these days, th- this time, I have a little bit more invested into Joel's program than I do yep. Chad's. Yep. Chad and I are very good friends. We're still, we still communicate. I actually sponsor him with tire balls. So okay. it's not like I'm, I'm still part of his program. Yeah, okay. But um, when Joel's chain broke, I was just like, just flabbergasted. Fast forward, Chad's chain breaks. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, the wheels are going to come off this guy right now. Like, he needs to lose his marbles. Yeah. And the reaction was so boring. I know. And so professional. Yep. That I I didn't come – I didn't go talk to him until, like, Sunday when he was literally getting in his motorhome to leave. And I just walked over and shook his hand, and I said, you're the most professional person I've ever seen here. Yeah, I, I know. Because he knew. He knew at that moment there – now Joel has a definite – definite chance yeah and he didn't react and i think that is just outstanding no i couldn't agree more i even remember commenting at the time that he acted just like the like the legendary championship athlete that he is because you're exactly right he literally did nothing but step off his quad he looked at it and then his first reaction was to make sure nobody else was going to come down that lane of the racetrack and get blocked into that rut that he was in you know he didn't sulk he didn't do anything but act like the professional that he is so I was completely blown away too um and yeah for you to be on the on the call of the races when both of those happen it's unreal so you kind of mentioned Joel there how your you know impact is obviously a big part of what Joel um Joel's program you know this has been an ongoing debate on these on these episodes so I'm going to put you on the spot here how many championships is Joel going to end his career with? When Four. you get an over under, how many? Four. Okay. I think that that's a realistic number. Yeah. I think that's a realistic and I, number. And, I, and I'm not going to take anything away from Chad, but I think, I think in a timeline aspect of it, there's a good possibility with a lot of things, Chad's, not Chad's age in a bad way, but Chad's life maturing. Chad's got a, a son now. You know, he, he's got a lot of things. He's made some small mentions, and, and I don't know. I don't want to step out, but I think I'm close enough with these guys that it don't really matter. 
he's made some small comments on the podium, so it's public, you know. Sometimes it's not worth going that extra speed now. I have a son. I have a wife. I have, you know, I have these responsibilities I got to look out for. And so does Joel. Joel has a daughter now. He's got a house. He's got a family. He's got those things. So I see Chad, and this is getting a little bit off of your subject, but it's the same subject. I see Chad fighting, fighting for another two years, and I see Joel fighting for another two years. Okay. And I think Joel... Obviously, I have to, or I, I do root for for both of them in one sense, but obviously Joel's my guy. Yep. And so I see Joel winning championship next year and the year after. But I see if Chad sticks around two years, I see another kid, a couple kids that are going to be a thorn in both of their sides. I and agree. I think um, it's pretty, pretty easy to allude to who. I mm-hmm. think um, – some changes in Jeffrey's program possibly is going to put him right there. Thomas is going to be right there. Those guys are already guarantees, but we're going to, right. we're going to watch Brandon Hogan, Bryce, Bryce Cord, um, make a huge push. And I think Bryce is going to have um, a very respectable learning year, which is a hundred percent accepted and I'm perfectly okay. Yes, sir. Brandon learned a lot this year. And I think the next year, them boys are going to have their hands full. Yeah, I think so too. I really do. Um, so yeah, that was on, that was kind of my next kind of bullet point I have here because Brandon Hogue, he's another guy that's um, impact solutions affiliated, obviously. So you kind of have your hands in his program a little bit and, you know, he's going to be named rookie of the year this weekend. Um, he got that podium at Unadilla. He qualified second at Loretta. So, I mean, he's, as the season went on, he was up there ruffling feathers. Um, you know, what do you see? Give us a prediction on, or even a bold prediction on what you see for him next year. I mean, do you think we get another podium out of him? I think we see um, 10 races, at least four podiums. He told me flat out, and I could I could prove it in a text message, that he's going to win races next year. And I, I don't doubt it in some senses. But at the same time, you know, I'll never doubt Brandon because that kid has been one of the most impressive racers through his entire amateur career, doing things that he wasn't supposed to do in the time fashions that he wasn't supposed to do it in. So there's a very well possibility that he wins a race next year. I'm not going to guarantee that on my shoulders, but I will guarantee multiple podiums. Okay. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys too. He's so headstrong that if he convinces himself, he's going to do something. And I mean, it's, it's, on November 26th right now. And like, I see videos of him spinning laps in Florida. So, um, yeah, he, he's crazy and he's living in on like a four by six trailer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's commitment, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, the kid's in shape. He, he rides a bunch and, um, you know, him and Joel are very good friends. And I think those two, thrive off each other because I, I i don't doubt that there's not days of the practice track that brandon's running faster lap times than joel now if joel admitted i don't know but i just don't doubt that there's not a day here or there that that actually could happen yeah it's crazy too because again being a rookie he's only a couple years removed from being on a 300 ex you know i mean it's yeah. like it's yeah. just unreal, you know, but he, yeah. you know, I was, you know, he lived, spent time living with me at that time. And, 
I mean, he just sat and watched Joel Hetrick videos. And I mean, he wasn't even like his bike would be broke down, but he's like developing that style just in his head, you know? And yep. he, when yep. he got on a, on a full size quad on a 450, he just, he looked like, um, like a kind of a upstart version of Joel Hetrick and now where he is. I mean, I give him so much credit and to see somebody that's willing to just work and work and work and work and not quit at something. Um, I mean, it's really impressive. Like I'm obviously pulling for him. Um, so the, you know, then you mentioned Bryce already, he's going to get amateur rider of the year, obviously this upcoming weekend being the pro-am champion and the pro sport champion. He dominated all season long. So when we talk about Bryce Ford, you know, you kind of hinted at, you think, and I've seen, I saw at least a comment or two on social media over the last handful of weeks and months that, you know, you have some predictions on what Bryce could do in the coming years. He's going to be a pro full-time in 2020, his rookie season. So what do you think we see of him? I mean, could he possibly get up there and get a podium, you think? I mean, I do think I agree 100% with what you said. I think things are going to be up and down because there is a learning curve with that pro class and those guys that are so mature. It's just like his raw speed, though. I mean, could and is and he's good at starts. I mean, he's gonna be up front in some of these races, no doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, do I see Bryce Ford on the podium in 2020? Yeah, because Brandon did it. Yeah, so I like in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah. Well, and Br- Bryce's brother did it. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, he, he's not going to be outdone by his own brother. I mean, that's the rivalry that those guys are going to excel next year. He's going to try to outdo his brother and, you know, get two podiums. Brandon Hogue did it. You know, Bryce's sheer talent, not yeah. just his speed, but the kid's talent is just his hand-eye coordination, um, his physique on the bike, like the, his style is unorthodox in a sense. And I always call it like he's a perfect combination of Chad and Joel where he stands up a lot more than Joel does like Chad does, but he can ride that edge and find things that a lot of people can't find. And I think that's going to prevail. I don't think what we've seen at Loretta's was um, anything to take notes on for next year. I actually pit boarded for Bryce at Loretta's and okay. He was like plain. Like he'd come by the mechanics area, like looking at me, which that's Bryce, anyways. He's always doing that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the first time qualifier, he went out and he put in a couple of laps, but he just had a couple little things that just didn't get that perfect lap. And, and obviously, Chad and Joel and all those guys are really trying to prove something that weekend. And they did. And Bryce wasn't, I don't think he was top five that first one. And then he went out in the second one, and he told me before he left, he said, I want to qualify third today. And I said, okay. the only person that can do that is you. You go do yeah. it. Yeah. And he had every – his mindset was set to go out there and qualify third, and I have every reason to believe that he would have. And he had an issue um, about three-eighths of the way through the practice, maybe five minutes in or whatever. He had an issue, and instead of scrambling and trying to get it ready for the race, he just said, eh, I'm fine. Let's focus on Cody. This is Cody's season. 
let's get all these other guys, the rest of the team. I'm okay. I've accomplished what I came to accomplish this year. My feet are now tippy-toed into what I got to do for next year. Sure. And at that moment, I think he, he wrote the entire season off. I don't think he ever had a huge intention of racing Ironman, even though it was talked about big time. Yep. But I don't think he ever really was committed to racing Ironman. And I'm glad he didn't because the question mark is still there. And yeah. I think there's a lot of people. And he's been talked about, obviously, a lot this offseason. You know, getting amateur rider of the year is going to be a huge accomplishment for him because he's yep. gotten youth rider of the year before. Uh, he's got the badass award before. Mm-hmm. The kid's accomplished, you know, and Cody, he <laughs> – Cody is just one of those kids. He he can just put it down all moto long, and I think it's showed this year in his results, and and he's done very well. And getting on the podium, and his consistency in those races at Walnut this year when he got on the podium, when everyone is having major issues because of the mud, shows me that he has the professionalism to continue to grow in the class. So I think we're going to see Cody. Alan Myers, Logan Stanfield's another one that's coming in next year. Yep. Alan or um, <clears throat> Logan is one of those guys. He's so calculated, and I think that benefits you in the pro class. Definitely. That's what puts you in that top six at the end of the race is being calculated and being there the entire moto. So a lot of really good guys next year. I know I'm forgetting to bring someone up that I would want to bring up. Um, but I think 2020 looks really good. I think so too, because the, just the level, it's like every tier kind of is just moving up a little bit. So before we move on from Bryce and you kind of talked about that, there's going to be guys coming up, obviously Bryce included that are going to be pushing for that top spot in years to come. Do you see a few years from now, um, Bryce and Joel duking it out or do you see Bryce raising the level of the sport to where Joel would have to raise his level in 2019 or in 2020. No, no. And, and beyond that in a few years, do you think that Bryce is going to elevate the sport as a whole? Or do you think that he's going to get to the level Joel is at, and then it's going to be like two Titans or more maybe. But my, my question, I guess is, is, you know, Bryce has looked so good give him a few more years, is he going to elevate that top tier of the sport or is he just going to get to the level Joel is at now? I think he'll be at Joel's level by the end of the year in a sense of if of sheer speed. Okay. Not in maturity. Right, Joel, of course, yeah. Joel's become one of the more mature racers now. Which Agreed. I feel old saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, ooh. I'm interested in seeing where the bikes go. Okay. Where the quads, the machines go on where Bryce could elevate it more. And I don't know that I can actually, I'm I'm usually pretty bold with just making assumptions just because I can, I guess. But that's one that I'm still pondering on. I, I do think this has a considerable chance at a championship in 2021. Um, if not 2022, I think it'd be his year for sure. Okay. If he matures in the rate that he needs to, 
I predicted in 2011 that Joel would be the 2015 champion, and he was not. I was one year off. Right, yeah, 16. 2016 yeah. championship. Okay. So, um... I don't think Joel matured as quick as I thought he would. And it's no offense to him. It's just reality. No, yeah. I think he would tell you the same thing. Of course. Um, it, co- it cost him probably a couple of championships, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a lot of uh, the maturing in the surroundings of Bryce Ford over the next couple of years where he's at. And I think with the technical side of the bikes or the quads, what ends up happening and with some rule changes that are in, in play – um, there's a lot of things in the works right now. I think for the series, mm-hmm. there's a good chance he could elevate it. Where do you think, um, just going down that, down that, uh, rabbit hole a little bit, do you think we see hybrids in the pro class in the next handful of years? Cause this is, uh, and I ask this cause this is a question I get all the time and I'm reluctant I'm reluctant to go there because I think as long as Yamaha is in it, you can't turn Yamaha away because they're the last OEM that we got. Um, So I just wanted your opinion after you mentioned that. I think between this year, like this season, 2020 and 2021, we will see not so much a hybrid like we're like everyone envisions in their head a Walsh hybrid, a JB hybrid, a Lone okay. Star, a Langer, you know, that kind of hybrid. I think we see the allowance of fuel injection on a Honda. Okay. With a dirt bike engine, which would allow the Yamaha to yep. run a dirt bike engine and it's already fuel injected. Yep. The Honda is still carbureted. So I think we'll, we'll be allowed to run a fuel-injected dirt bike engine in, in the bike. But I, I strongly really feel that if they do pass this rule, and I, and I can go either way. I, I don't, I don't okay. have a hand in the fight necessarily. Right. Yeah. But if yeah. they are going to pass this rule, I think the only way that they can pass it is if it's a Honda OEM chassis, it has to remain a Honda engine. If it's a okay. Yamaha OEM chassis, it has to remain a Yamaha engine and all the way down the line. If it's a Suzuki, if it's a can, you know, can am, if it, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it has to stay brand. Br- yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Brand specific. What's the stop someone. So you have, you have David Eller and the Phoenix Honda team with Joe Hetrick. He can't, Honda's not going to allow him to run a KTM engine. Right. In that Honda chassis. And I'm not saying one engine's better than the other, but it's pretty much reality at this point. The yeah. Husky and KTM engines are really, really good. They're stand above, yep. So let's say, you know, obviously Chad can't, Thomas can't, but what's to stop Nick Janusa? He, he don't You're have right. any factory backing right. from Yamaha or right. Honda or anyone. Uh, the yeah. Ford brothers, they don't have a necessary factory backing to now – you want to talk about elevating? We we open that up where you can run any dirt bike engine in your in your OEM chassis. So John Ford goes and puts a KTM 450 engine in Bryce's and Cody's bikes. We we may not even be talking about Joel Hetrick and Chad Wiener. Yeah, you're I mean, right. Yeah, going to, and those guys are going to be competitive no matter what. But hypothetically, yeah. Yeah. there's it needs to stay brand specific. Absolutely. I don't have a necessary stand in the fight. Okay. I don't care. 
As long okay. as we're going racing, that's all I care about. Yeah, I just didn't want to get to a point where some, some a decision was made that we pushed Yamaha away. That was the only thing I didn't want to see. I mean, they've been putting out quads, um, innovating that quad, um, and kind of updating that thing every year. So, I mean, hopefully they just stay in it and keep doing that. And I think you are seeing more and more of a market share in our style of racing with the Yamaha, obviously. So Yeah, and in cross-country, it's doing well there too. So I don't absolutely. see how they could justify it. But at the same time, I don't know what the real numbers are. Side-by-sides are selling like hotcakes, and they're selling at 30 grand a pop. Yeah. So uh, I, I just don't know. I mean, yeah. to me, the ATV world is still doing really well. Um, any ATV, New England ATV and UTV series just put up yep. 10 grand for the winner of this, the championship pro winner, uh, five grand for second, 2,500 for third. That's oh. huge for ATV racing. That's more than they get paid for the AMA ATV. Motocross. You're absolutely right. It is. Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to be some interest there. I just actually went to that banquet this weekend and, uh, Jim and Betty and all those guys up there were so welcoming and invited me in and showed me a really good time and the wife and the kids went. That was a blast. <clears throat> and talking with Jim yesterday, he's um, actually going to do some amateur payout. So that's cool. Okay. Um, via gift card, which we've done yep. in the, you know, the AMA ATV motocross series. Yep. So, th- so there's some options I think to where you could do both. And I know Jim really tries hard not to d- overlap his series with the ATV motocross series. So then people can do both. So everyone's, and it pisses me off, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tangent real quick. Everyone's super negative, and they say ATV motocross is dying, ATV racing is dying. Um, I don't believe it. I believe social media is somewhat of, is causing some negative outlooks on things because people are like, oh, it's this, it's that. Show up to the races and actually see it. I just seen the year numbers, the end numbers from last year for this season. And I've and they were always really, paid really close. Yep. They're like identical. And it's been identical since I've been following the numbers like really, really close for yep. since 2016. The numbers yep. really haven't varied besides like five, ten exactly. entries. Exactly. For the overall for the season. So come yep. on. Yeah, I saw the same document that you saw, and I thought the same thing. I thought for all the people that are that are bitching and moaning, the series yeah. is just the same as it was a year ago at this time. And the thing is, like, the thing about our sport is, like, it's a cult following. Like, these people that are in this sport are completely dedicated. This is all they do. This is what we all love to do. So, I don't know. Some people come and go. But for the most part, we're all in this. We're all invested. And uh, you're right. I mean, that's kind of even been my motivation with some of the stuff I've done here with the podcast is the more my thing was the more educated we could make the fan base, the more people would care, the more investment you would have in the sport. And um, but I don't I'm 100 percent on board with you. I don't think that this sport is going anywhere anytime soon because as long as we just sustain it, like we have been for the past five years or whatever, I mean, everybody's happy, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. As long as we can continue doing what we're doing, do we need to try to grow and do all that stuff? Absolutely. Of course. Every, yeah. every racing series, every NFL 
every sports series wants to grow and continue to grow. I mean, that's a, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just think of the memories. I mean, you, some of the stuff that you share social media wise, it, it just, it brings me back and it, it's actually continuing my drive on wanting to do this. And, you know, some of the comments that I read and, you know, stuff going on is why I still do this. Yeah. There's no reason that any of us have to do this besides the passion for it. And if you think back at all the experiences that you and your dad have had and your family, and I think about the experiences I'm going to get to have with my family doing this. Yeah. But just in the last hour, we've pretty much listened to me ramble on about my story that some people may not have known. Right. But honestly, through all of that, I can't tell you very many bad times that I've actually had. And any of the bad times, they're really not real world bad times. Exactly. You can yeah. you can live in a bubble and you cannot share the experiences that you get by going racing in any other way. You can't get those experiences in, in some other kind of sport. And where are you as parents, as a parent that I am, where am I going to take my kid to where he's fenced in, gets to have a social life, play with their kids, with other kids, gets to race and looks up to role models, you, you know, yourself, Chad, Joel, Thomas, Jeffrey, Brandon. You know, Bryce Ford, Cody yeah. Ford, Wesley Wolf. I mean, the, the whole list. list goes on. You need to look yeah. up to these guys because these guys are posting video after video of them training. Uh-huh. So they have one objective that they see by watching these guys, and that keeps them dedicated to one thing, the one thing only, and that's going racing, which keeps them out of the bullshit of the drugs and getting into other situations. I you cannot that. pay enough money to, to ever justify – that it was a waste of money to go racing. You, I couldn't you can, agree more. You can't spend enough. You can't put a price tag on it. That's what I meant to say. No, you're a hundred percent right. It's, and I, um, I guess I kind of lived that firsthand because I, from a very young age, like wanted to do the whole racing thing, wanted to be a pro someday, wanted that whole song and dance. And I mean, I had just talked about it in the last podcast, but now I'm 27 years old. I've done this my whole life. It's been my motivation and the reason why I've decided to like, I always had a goal. So I wasn't going to high school parties. I wasn't experimenting with things. I wasn't getting in trouble because I wanted to be Doug Gust. I wanted to be John Natale. I wanted to be Chad Weenan. And like I said, now I'm 27 years old. I've never, I've never had any kind of drug in my body. I've never sipped uh, any drop of alcohol never had any tobacco, whatever. And I tell those same, I tell parents this stuff all the time at my riding schools or people, I get messages sometimes to, you know, to give kids advice or, you know, tell them to tell them the parents want me to tell them to try hard in school or whatever. And the thing about our sport is that, you know, not only does it keep them out of trouble, it also teaches you life lessons that you're not going to learn anywhere else, just like you said. And then, like you kind of touched on too, you're doing things with your family. You're doing, you're going on these trips, you're traveling the country, you're spending the summer with your family, with your loved ones, instead of a stick and ball sport where you're on a school bus with your buddies, you know, going across the city or going across the county. It's just, I mean, I don't know. There's so many of us. Every single person we mentioned on this podcast you and I included and everybody else in between that this sport just shaped who we are. And, uh, 
I mean, you're, you hit the nail on the head because the more positivity, the more stuff like that we can create. And it's been cool with some of those old posts that I kind of put out there and I'm going to try to do some more, but it's got people that are like, yeah, I wasn't, you know, I, I got, I've gotten an array of messages from people that have said, you know, I've been removed from the sport for a long time and this got me interested again. And now I'm, you know, I'm listening and I'm watching YouTube videos and stuff like that of the racing going on today. And who knows? I mean, if, if that, what I did, or, you know, the conversation we had today, if that gets three people, gets one person, more interested in this or brings them back to the sport or whatever. It's like, that's those little things where we're just going to sustain. We're just maybe going to grow a little bit. It's like, I don't know. You just can't put a value on, on this racing and what it means to us. And you hit that on the head with saying that you, there's no dollar amount uh, to say that this wasn't justifiable. So exactly. And that's like my passion rings so thick for this sport. And, you know, over the years that I've been doing in, in the ATV, you know, side of things, I've had multiple offers to go work for dirt bike teams again. And, you know, okay. everyone, oh, dirt bike teams are so great, this and that. And when I left the dirt bike world and came to the ATV world, what I learned real quick was it's more of a family. And then when, once I got into the Can-Am days, I really learned what racing family meant. And that's where it's at. And it's been there for a long time. And my passion is so thick. My my wife thinks I'm crazy half the time that she's just like, why wouldn't you just go get a normal job? Do you, you work so many hours. You, you drive all night. You do this. You do that. Why wouldn't you just go get a normal job? You can make just as much money. And I'm like, no. Why, why go to work if you don't love it? Yeah. And I'm not saying I couldn't find a job somewhere that I loved or whatever, but I was sort of, once I could control my destiny on going racing and racing a little bit as I was younger, it's literally been the only thing I've ever wanted to do is go racing. And once yeah. I knew that I wasn't good enough myself and didn't have, you know, what it took to go racing uh-huh. and, and be successful, just in, in pure talent. I mean, I could have worked my butt off and came up with the money to go racing, but I didn't have the talent flat out. Yeah. But I figured out I had the talent in building bikes and being, you know, the technical side. So that's what's kept it alive. And I think that's really like my point there is the passion. And that's what's put me into a position with impact solutions now to try to give people the best thing I can give them. And be a supporter to them you know even if you're not on my stuff i'm still gonna help you that's just me yeah it's not like oh you you don't run my stuff see you later that that ain't my style no um i want everyone to have the best thing because i want the best racers to win and i want the racers that lost to have the focus and the drive to try to succeed and and beat the guys that beat them it'd be crazy to most people but just like a racer, you know, say a racer retires and when a racer retires, they're young, obviously in life yet. And then when they try to go do something else, a lot of times it doesn't pan out. Well, in any other way of life, you don't just, um, you don't just like, this is your life work, life's work. This racing is your life's work. So 
just to go to another industry and punt on everything that you've done for your whole life up until now wouldn't make any sense. So again, like, yeah, I mean, it would be crazy to some people, but to the people that are entrenched in the industry, like, like you or even I are like I am, or you are like, it's just what we know. Like it's what we love. So you'd have to, yeah. uh, you'd have to drag us out of here kicking and screaming, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's no reason. And, and I don't plan on leaving and, and going anywhere else. I think, um, I finally convinced my wife that this is, you know, a, a fun deal. And, you know, I, obviously you see my, my kids at the races more and more nowadays. Yep. And I think that's going to continue. Um, now I have a little boy on the way. So who knows where these, where these avenues are going to go. I might just have my own little race team with all my kids. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. You know, it, it's all up to them. People ask me every day. You know, are your kids going to race? It's completely up to them. Yeah. Obviously, they're around it all the time, so they know what it is. And if they come to me and say, hey, I want to race or I want to ride, absolutely. I, I couldn't pick a different way to raise my kids. Um, both my girls are pretty on the girly side of things. Okay. Not that you can't be girly and go racing yep. by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But they're more dance, cheerleading, and that kind of thing. Yep. But the older one, she said it here and there. You know, like, hey, you want a quad? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. <laughs> you know, I don't know yeah. that I'm quite ready for it in that sense that I want her on a quad yet because I don't know that she's quite ready okay. until I can put her in a flat field and let her go, like, crash so she understands the consequences of just going yeah. wide open because I'm sure – a lot of people have seen her ride around the pits with me on the little Honda Cub, and it, we're not going very slow when she's in control. So. No, no, I've seen, I've seen it firsthand. It's a little. Uh, yeah. It seems like it's either all on or all off. Yeah, and the off is me shutting it off. Right. Yeah, that's not what I mean. Her. Right. Yeah. There's one speed yeah. and it's fast, but uh, yeah, so. yeah she it's, loves it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I want to. I wouldn't have wanted to be raised any other way either. So, uh, Casey, I, again, I, I can't thank you enough for joining me here. It's been, it's been awesome. I can't thank you enough for all that you do for me personally, obviously, and, uh, impact solutions and, um, you know, all you do for the sport. Uh, like I said, it's your life's work. So, um, I've just been super grateful for your time here tonight. Super grateful for all you do for me and super grateful for all you do for the sport as well. Yes. And I appreciate you having me on here. I know there was all sorts of topics that we've wanted to discuss and go over and I'm sure we'll do this again and, you know, hopefully yeah. you'll have me back and um, maybe we'll talk about, you know, all sorts of other things and we'll see when the rules come out after the banquet. Um, I hope everyone has a things, uh, a very good Thanksgiving or had a Thanksgiving. I don't know when you're going to actually put this one up, but hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving and I appreciate you and what you're doing for the sport. I continue to work with you in the future. And uh... <laughs> again, Casey, thanks so much for everything. You're always welcome. And uh, yeah, you start putting a list together of topics you want to cover and, and uh, we'll do, we can do an episode anytime. Yes, sir. Okay. So you guys have a good one. Thanks so much, Casey. Man, what a great guy with all kinds of great insight. And I'm so pumped to have such a plugged in member of the industry come on the podcast. 
I want to thank Casey for his time. I also want to thank my producer slash brother Dallas for sitting here next to me and pushing all the buttons for the podcast. I couldn't do it without you, D. I also have to thank TR Smith Media for making us such an awesome logo. I love that. That'll never get old. Thanks to our sponsors, CST Tires, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Blender's Eyewear, Mountaineer Brand, Oats Overnight, Yamaha, and Valvoline. Support the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us via Patreon if it suits you. Simply visit our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, and click the Support on Patreon button. This contribution will help prompt continued growth and improvement of the show, and perks will be available to those who contribute, and we greatly appreciate it. And remember, you can be part of the show by calling our voicemail line anytime. You can call us with your questions, concerns, and suggested topics, and that number is 920-569-3519. That's 920-569-3519. Call us today, and we look forward to it. We have the banquet coming up this weekend, and then we'll have all kinds of content in the weeks to follow. So the best way to ensure that you won't miss anything is to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find your podcasts. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for any additional behind-the-scenes content. And actually, two guys I haven't mentioned yet in this episode, but from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you guys for listening, not only to this episode, but that last one, too, where we did a feature of my own racing. Um, again, like I had mentioned, if you men- if you listened to that one, you would have heard me say that I was a little leery. Um, I had a little bit of doubt about um, you know doing that show there just because I'm sometimes worried to talk about my own racing because I don't know that that many people care. But um, to this point, about uh, two days into this thing, it's the most successful, biggest numbers we've had through two days yet. Um, So it's been really impressive. I've gotten a ton of great feedback, a lot of great messages, and I just want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. That means so much to me. So um, you guys are absolutely amazing. You never stop amazing us. And, um, without you, we wouldn't be doing this. And without you, we wouldn't be anything. So as long as you guys want this content, we'll keep giving it to you. Keep that support coming. And I love the screenshots showing that you're listening. So if you send those in, I'll keep trying to share those for you. Again, guys, subscribe to the show, give us a rating, tell your friends, share our posts. It all really helps. Um, the goal with this show was to kind of give a different industry look, um, having Casey come on and we haven't had a guest really like that yet. So I was really excited to have him on and I'm excited for this to go live so you guys can enjoy that. And I'm hoping, um, you guys are listening to this on the way to the banquet this weekend and, uh, look forward to seeing you guys there if you are. So with that, thanks for listening and happy Thanksgiving. Safe travels. If you're traveling to the banquet, I'm your host, Cody Jansen. And until next time, thanks for joining us in digging deep with the stars of ATV motocross. <laughs>